are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Okay, you ready to go? All right, phones down, heads up. Here we go. My wife Annette and I find ourselves in this situation. It seems like too often we'll be going somewhere together and we'll be in one of our vehicles. I'll be driving and we pull up to a traffic light, okay? And the light is red, but there is nobody else at the entire intersection, just us. And the light will not change to green. And I'm like, okay, how long are we going to have to wait until this light changes? It's ridiculous. We're the only ones here. And then I finally say to Annette, I think it's broken. And she says, no, it's probably not broken. We have not sat here very long. And so finally I say to her, you know, I think I'm just going to go on. And she says, if you go on, I hope a policeman sees you and pulls you over. And I'm like, you're my wife. What kind of love is this? You know, do you want me to get a ticket? She goes, I don't want you to get a ticket, but I want you to learn to be more patient. Why are you always in such a hurry? She says, we're not rushed. There's not somewhere we have to be. Just wait till the light changes. So I'm not by nature a very patient person. I understand that. I, I live life kind of fast. But if you look up the word in the English dictionary, here's what it means to be patient. It would be somebody who is able to accept or tolerate a delay, which does not include me, or a problem or suffering. Okay? So it's somebody who says, you know what? Sometimes there are delays in life and it's okay. Just, you just got to kind of push through it. Okay? Or sometimes... There are problems in life and, and they're just going to come and you just got to work through them. And sometimes there is suffering in life. You just got to kind of work through that. It's okay. And they're just able to be patient. But, but that's not my nature. So I thought I would ask you, if you don't mind, like, how many of you would say, I think, Pastor Rick, I'm a pretty patient person. Okay, so if that's your story... If that's how you see yourself and how you think others see you, would you be willing to put your hand just really high in the air if you think you're a pretty patient person? So I'm looking around. I'm trying to see. There's quite a few of you, not as many as I thought. Kind of funny, I thought there's probably going to be like some husband that like raises his hand and he looks at his wife and he takes his hand down, you know. How many of you would say, Pastor Rick, I don't think I'm very patient. Would you raise your hand really high? lot more of you than there are of the other group. I'm not very patient either. So, so let me dig a little deeper, okay? So kind of personal question. You ready for it? Here we go. How many of you really struggle when others seem to act slowly? You know what I mean? Yeah. For heaven's sakes already, when are you going to come on? How long do I have to wait for you? You know, I just really struggle when others are just kind of acting, moving slowly, and it kind of drives me nuts. Um, and so, so let me go a little deeper, and now I'm going to get at the heart of the issue. All right? So this one is going to, this one is going to get your attention probably more than the others have. So how many of you struggle when it seems like God is acting slowly. Yeah. So, so Rick, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed 
And I've prayed and I've had other people pray with me. And, and, and all I'm hearing, you know, from heaven, you know, are crickets. I mean, I mean, if God is moving, I, I can't see it. If, if God is working, I don't have any evidence of it. If God is doing something, I have no awareness that He is. It just feels like to me that God, God isn't doing anything. And it seems like to me that God is just taking His, His old sweet time in this situation. Because if He's doing something, I, I don't see it for the life of me. Okay. So here's what we're learning in the Scripture today. It's really good. It's just really good. And, uh, and as I'm getting older, it's starting to sink in. Okay, here's what we're learning. When God doesn't answer our prayers when we think He should, and, and I think all of us relate to that statement alone, right? Many times I'm just thinking, God, you, you should have come through by now, right? I mean, how long, you know, Lord, when God doesn't answer our prayers when we think He should, it does not mean that He is not compassionate. It does not mean that He does not care. It does not mean that He's not concerned. It does not mean that He doesn't love you. It does not mean that He is not aware of your situation, okay? When God does not answer our prayers when we think He should, it does not mean that He's not compassionate or that He is not acting in our lives or at work in our lives. So, so here's, here's what James is trying to teach us, that... That even though God doesn't answer prayer when we think He should, He still loves you and He is compassionate and He is at work in your life. So, I'm pretty excited to take you to the Scripture today, okay? So, open your Bible to James chapter 5, James 5, and we're going to start with verse 7, okay? James 5, verse 7. So, here is the Word of God. So, dear brothers and sisters... James is saying, I see you as my brothers and sisters in Christ. We're family. I love you. Be patient. Wow. As you wait for the Lord's return, now I'm going to hold you right here for a minute because when I was a kid growing up and people talked about the Lord's return, it wasn't like encouraging. In fact, I think it was usually meant to scare me a little bit, okay? But James understands that for these First century Christians, this is a big deal. I mean, they are like, we are waiting for Jesus to come back. We are hoping it's soon. We're hoping it's right away. Okay? So be patient. Consider the farmers. This is like an example that he uses. Who patiently, no, now we see the word again and we're going to see it a lot more. Wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. And they eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. So you too must be, say it with me, patient. patient. You're going to hear the word a lot. Take courage. You know, be strengthened in your heart. For he really is going to come back. The coming of the Lord is near. Now, this verse is verse 9. It does not look like it fits. Because we're talking about patience now. We're going to talk about patience in the next sentence. But what is this one all about? Don't grumble against each other, brothers and sisters. Or you'll be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. Now, my wife Annette and I, we can just be doing great in our relationship. We get along great. We feel like we're in such deep love with each other. Life is going so good. We're so happy. We just look deep into each other's eyes. Life is just wonderful. But then we face a real struggle 
And it's often when we face the real struggle that we admit to ourselves we sometimes kind of turn on each other a bit. And then we say, what are we thinking? We need each other more now than we ever have. And James realizes that when you're going through a struggle in life, when God has not yet answered your prayer, when Jesus has not yet come to rescue you, it's sometimes when you're the most tempted to kind of grumble against each other. Get it? That's what it means. Okay, last part here. Four examples of patience. We see the word again. In suffering, dear brothers and sisters... Look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. And here's one last example. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. Not a man of great patience, by the way, even though we talk about the patience of Job. He complained to God every day for a long time. But he did endure and he did stay faithful. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. And here's the last few words. For the Lord is full of tenderness compassion, and mercy. So this, this is God's word for us. Now, there's a phrase that I read about a few years ago by an author who did a really good job with it. His name was Max Licato. And he talked about a season of our lives, and the season is called Not Yet. I don't like it. I struggle with it. I never say it with great energy. I never say, not yet. It's always, not yet. Hey, I know you've been praying for a friend. Did God answer your prayer? Not yet. Hey, I know you've been praying for healing for this person. Are they, are they well? Not yet. Hey, I know you've been praying about meeting that kind of special person. You've been praying that God would bring somebody into your life. Got that person yet? Not yet. Hey, I know you've been looking for a job. Uh, do you have a job? Not yet. Hey, I know finances have been tough. You've been praying that God would work miraculously in your money. Has that happened? No, not, not yet. It's the season of not yet. You know, we, we wish it would happen. We wish God would move. But we just can't see any evidence that God is doing it yet. Not yet. God hasn't answered prayer yet. What, what we love to say is, hey, we're in. It happened. It's done. Good. Finished. Over. God took care of it. It's all good, man. Look at us. We won. But, but a lot of you are kind of sitting here this morning saying, no, I'm in the not yet. My parents aren't back together. My friend isn't healed. The relationship that's broken isn't mended. Haven't found a job. Money's still tough. Not yet. And so as you understand that, you begin to deeply understand this, this group of early Christians. In fact, it's the first Christian community ever. They're the first, there weren't any Christians before these guys. They're the first Christian community. And, and here's what they're doing. They're living this tough life. So James writes to them, the 12 tribes who are scattered. Wait a minute, why are they scattered? Because of persecution. People said, you can't follow Jesus. Not in this town. 
We're going to take you out and whip you. And they've run for their lives. And they're living as refugees in other nations. And James writes to them. In fact, the 20 years that James was the leader of the church of Jerusalem until they murdered him, took his life, the only church life he ever knew was a life of persecution. They might kill us. They finally did kill him. And so they're living under oppression, persecution, they're suffering. And here's their thinking, okay, Jesus came. The kingdom of God is at hand, but it's not yet fully realized. And so in their minds, when Jesus comes back, because Jesus said, I'm going away, but if I go away, I'll come back, okay? When He comes back, guess what? Everything gets sorted out. And there's no more persecution, and there's no more suffering, and there's no more oppression. And we're all good, and life is great, and Jesus makes everything right. And so in their minds, we cannot wait. When's He coming? Look at the clouds. You see anything happening up there? Because when Jesus comes back, everything is going to be sorted out and we're all going to be good. So if that's the case, I have a question. When? I mean, I always have that question. When? Can it be now? And so Jesus answers the question of when. And here's what he says. No one knows the day or the hour. Only the Father knows. Wait a minute. Only God knows? Yeah. So we don't, we don't actually know when things are going to get sorted out? No. We don't know when the prayers get answered? No. I mean, He is going to show up, right? Yes, he said he would. So what do we do until he does? You've got to wait. And so it, it's the same for us, right? So you're saying, hey, Rick, when, when is my prayer going to get answered? You, you know, I don't know. Well, when is my friend going to get healed? I don't know. Well, when is this relationship going to get mended? I, I, I don't know. When is life going to get better? I, I don't know. I mean, He is going to show up, right? He promised that He would. And so what do I do until then? I, I think you just wait. See. Actually, James says it this way. He says, just, just be patient with God. You ever heard the old joke about the guy who's praying? And, uh, and he says to God, he says, uh, Man, the Bible says like a day is like a thousand years to you, a thousand years like a day. So time is really different for you, right, God? And he goes, Yeah. He goes, So like, what's a hundred years to you? And he goes, Oh, it's like a minute. And he goes, Wow. He goes, So money's kind of like that too to you, God? And he goes, Yeah. And he goes, So like, what's a million dollars to you? And he goes, It's like a penny. And he kind of looks at God and he says, could I have a penny? And God said, sure, in a minute. Yeah. And, and it flies in the face of the way I like life to happen. I, I don't want to wait. 
I want it now. See, I live in an instant world. You, you understand that these haven't been around long, but boy, since they have been, I mean, everything is in an instant. It's right at my fingertips. Is that restaurant open? Let me see. You know, I mean, everything is just right here. Annette, what's, what's the meaning of this word? I don't know. Let me see. It's just right at the tip of your... Everything is in an instant. Even my little granddaughter who lives 12 hours from me, if I miss her and I want to see her, she's at my fingertips. I just FaceTime with Sadie. And I said, hi, Sadie. And she says, I miss you, Ricky. And I said, I miss you too, Sadie. And we just talked to each other. Everything is right at my... I mean, I live in a world where everything is instant. But James is reminding us, obviously, in the passage, that there are some things that aren't instant. Like answered prayer it's not always instant in the early church they were waiting for an answered prayer but it wasn't instant and james says so you just got to be patient somehow now now here's what happened to them they begin to say well i mean he's not showing up uh you know things are getting worse uh i wonder when he's going to show up i mean things are getting really hard now uh boy when is he going to come i mean he said he he was going to come. And finally they began to doubt. And they crossed their arms and they said, maybe he's not coming. Maybe he didn't mean it. Maybe he's not going to come through after all. Maybe we're just stuck in this situation. And there's days when you and I think about the things that we're praying about and we think to ourselves, you know, what if he doesn't show up? What if he doesn't come through? What if he doesn't answer prayer? What if he doesn't do what he said he was going to do? What, what if I'm just stuck? What if this is my life from now on? What if it doesn't change? And as they begin to doubt, because of his timing, they make me nervous. Because here's what happens. When I begin to say, you know, God, you know, seriously? Uh, I mean, are you going to, you know, are you coming through or not? I mean, we have been praying a long time about this. It's almost like I'm saying in that moment, I think maybe I know better than God. It's almost like I begin to say, I think maybe I, with all of my wisdom, <laughs> somehow have risen above God Himself. And I know better than God. See? And, and I read the Bible... Like when God said through his prophet Isaiah, Hey Rick, my ways are higher than your ways. You know what else, Rick Harvey? My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And I don't think I'm taking too much liberty to say that I think God is also saying, And my timetable, Rick Harvey, is not always your timetable. I love fruits. And vegetables. My mama taught me to eat my fruits and vegetables. I go to the store this time of year and love it. Fruits and vegetables everywhere. And they're just at my fingertips. I mean, all I got to do is just go in and pick them up, put them in one of those little bags, put it in my cart, go up, check out, and I'm out the door. I love fruits and vegetables. I love to go home and eat them now. In fact, I eat the fruit in the car on the way home. Okay, sometimes I'm eating the fruit in the store while I'm still shopping, but I love my fruits and vegetables. And they're just there. They're immediate. And James reminds us that that's not the fruit and vegetable story. It takes time. 
He says it like this. Remember the farmer who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. There's more than this being said. You know what it is, don't you? You're a step ahead of me because you're smarter than me. You know when stuff grows? When you're waiting. And so it is with you and me. I don't like the waiting. But often that's when God does His best work in me, when I'm waiting. That's when the growth happens, when I'm waiting. I don't like it. I want it now. But when I'm waiting is often when God does His best work in my heart. It's when God grows me. It's when I mature. God does some of His best work when I'm in my waiting season. Man, my girls, Britt and Morgan, when they were young, when they were growing up, there were times in my life when I would watch them go through something, and I knew that I could fix it that quick. I mean, I could fix it that fast. I could just step in and say, hey, I'm, I'm the dad, and I can fix this for them. I'm going to take care of it right now. It's just going to be over and gone. This problem is no more yours. I'll handle it right that quick. I could do it. But because I loved them so much, there were many times I wouldn't fix it. Because I was going to rob them of the growth that was going to occur in their life. Because God sometimes does His best work while we're waiting. While we're struggling. And here's what God wants to do. God wants to shift our attention from what is happening to us to how He is shaping us. I believe God would love it if we would just stop saying, I can't believe this is happening to me. When's it going to get fixed? To boy, I, I think God is changing me as I'm going through this really tough time. And God would love to shift our attention from what's happening to us to how He is shaping us. So I'm just going to tell you, I never love it. I never love it. I never love the waiting season. I never love the not yet. It's never something that I'm a fan of. But when I come through that season and I look at what God has done in me, I'm like, I would never want to have not experienced that because I would never want to be the person I used to be. God has changed me through this. I'm a better person because of what God did in me while I was waiting. You with me? See, I, I talk to people a lot as a pastor, and it's like a guy who lost his job, and it was tough. And there's a lot of unknowns. Are we going to be without a check? How long? What's this look like? And it was a tough season. It was a waiting season. It was, when am I going to find a job? But in that waiting season, God changed him. People tell me hardest time of my life, Pastor, was through a sickness. 
But I want to tell you that God changed me during that sickness. I'm never a fan of it. But when I come through it, I'm always thankful for what God has done in me. I would never want to be the person I was before I went through it. Okay, so we're saying that just because God doesn't answer our prayers when we think He should, it doesn't mean that He doesn't love us and He doesn't care about us and He isn't compassionate and He is not aware of what we're going through and He is not concerned, okay? Or that He is not at work in our lives. That's not what it means. It's the opposite. And the reason we talk about it is because that waiting thing is really hard. The not yet season is tough. And so what are we going to do? And James says, just, just be patient. Just trust God. And why do you want me to trust God? And James says, because God is merciful and He is compassionate and He is good and He is tender. you believe it? Is that your theology? Is that what you believe about God? Is God good? When? All the time. God is good. All the time. You believe that. So James says the reason you just trust God and you just hang in there is because one thing that we know without a doubt is that God is good and He's compassionate and He knows you and He cares about you and He loves you. And even if you can't see it, He is at work. So Nat and I were with some people who attend our church uh, recently. And we were talking about life. And the lady says, I take great comfort in knowing. You listening? She says, I take great comfort in knowing that no matter what I'm going through, even when God seems silent, that He is always working for my good and His glory. You like that? So I take great comfort in knowing that no matter what I'm going through, even when God seems silent, I know that He is always working for my good and for His glory. See, that's what we believe. So you show up at church on a Sunday morning and you've got an issue, a situation in your life and you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been hoping it would change, but you just can't see that God is moving. And if God is doing something, you have no evidence of it. And if God is at work, you don't see it. And you admit, this is a hard season. I've been waiting a long time for God to show up. So what do I do, Rick? Do I quit praying? No. I mean, what, is, what does God's Word say? Are you in trouble? You should pray. Are you sick? You should pray. The Bible says, cast all your cares on Jesus because Jesus really cares about you. I think maybe you just say, Lord, give me the patience to trust you, to believe you, to know that you are at work even if I can't see it. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.